Good morning, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Living Light Outdoors on the mic and on the camera. We are uh, filming this on our YouTube channel, and we'll put that out there. Uh, I know not a lot of our videos are being watched, so I've, I've kind of been a little lax in being on here. I've actually been gone a lot on Sundays and had to do just mobile presentations or later in the day and just haven't done the video side of it. Um, maybe you just don't like seeing my pretty mug on the on the camera. But anyway, man, we're at Sunday morning. We're July 3rd. Can you believe that? We are already over halfway through this year. And we're started on the downhill slide, right? It It is Oklahoma hot. It is ugly weather. It's supposed to be extremely ugly weather this week. This old boy has a hard time with that. I'm going to be in a hot shop. We're extremely busy right now. God has blessed us. He has blessed us with provision. We're working um, a hailstorm that happened on May 5th here in our hometown. So we're busy. Chris and I are have both have businesses running and uh, it's it's good. God has blessed us. We're able to be home every night. We're normally uh, in our particular business. We have to travel quite a bit. So uh, the fuel bill is down, which is an awesome thing for this year, especially. I want to share with you a message. I actually put this together quite some time ago and just felt like I, I wasn't ready to share it. Um, and, and yesterday, as I was doing some other podcast things, I did two yesterday, actually, and um just knew that this was the message I wanted to bring to you today. Uh, it is something that I actually derived this out of a Bible study that I was in with a group of guys and a group of people. I say guys, you know, just kind of in general. Uh, but it was in with a group um, on that on the Bible app there on our on our phones and and man, this particular day of the devotion really stood out to me. Um, a lot of the devotion was was geared at a particular individual, and, and this one really stood out. So what I want to share with you today, and I think it's very pertinent to us today, something we need to pay close attention to, titled, Rules Are Made to Be Broken, right? Rules are made to be broken, are they? Before Samson was even born and his, parent, his parents had dedicated him to the Lord was something called a Nazarite vow. Now, under normal circumstances, a Nazarite vow is something that an individual would take. It would be like something you or I would make a determination that we're going to make a Nazarite vow from our youth, um, and that that particularly means to be dedicated to God. Um, it's an, a it's a a decision. It's an action. Uh, it's a desire to yield oneself to God completely, to be consecrated to God, sacrificially. There, there were three different uh, occasions in the Bible where parents actually basically dedicated their child in a Nazarite vow, uh, one of which was Samuel, prophet, he became a prophet Samuel. One was Samson, and then we're going to kind of lean on him a little bit today, and the other was John the Baptist. Uh, they were presented to God in a Nazarite vow from their birth. Uh, most of us would make that vow personally, but just, just to kind of clarify where we are. So before Samson was born, his parents dedicated him to the Lord in a Nazarite vow. The short version of what this means is that throughout his whole life, Samson was supposed to follow three basic rules. Just three basic rules, okay? Don't drink alcohol, rule number one. Don't touch anything dead, rule number two. 
And now rule number three was don't cut your hair. That's pretty simple, right? But you know what? what most of us, like Samson, rules are made to be broken. I mean, there's a rebellion inside of us. We were born into a fallen world, so this, this sin nature, this rebellious nature is born in us. So we're going to kind of strain against that. Most of us grew up that way. Think about your children. If you have children, um, did they just follow your rules all the time? No, and they won't because there's a rebellious nature inside of us. Today in Judges 14, we'll, we're going to read how Samson first got to use his God-given strength to do something pretty cool. But that wasn't good enough for him. And when he came back later, he conveniently ignored one of these oh-so-simple rules by touching something dead. But more than that, he full-on dug his hands into it. Why? I mean, I mean, Samson, why would you do this? For a couple of fistfuls of honey. Yes, you read that right. Even by the standards of Old Testament times, what Samson did was nasty. He stuck his hands into something dead just for a handful of something sweet. There's a lesson to be learned right there. That's something that most of us can be going, mm-hmm. I understand what he's saying. Samson was the strongest man who ever lived. With, with his incredible Hulk muscles, uh, this, this Tony Stark kind of mouth and Thor's hair, right? You know, the movie Thor. He was basically like three Avengers all in one. He was a Superman. I mean, he was a monster. He was, he was, he was this, this ability, this strength that he had. But even with so much going for him, chosen by God, blessed with supernatural strength, Samson just couldn't escape his flaws. Again and again, he pursued the wrong things. His weaknesses kept getting the best of him. Is this ringing anybody's bell here? <laughs> you keep making the wrong choices. You keep making the wrong decisions. E- even though you've, even though God's blessed you, you, you still continue to fall into your own traps. You're pursuing the wrong things, and and, and the weaknesses in your life keep dragging you in to where you're you're going to struggle. As you'll see today, one of those weaknesses was lust. In Judges 14, 1-2, Samson went to the wrong place on purpose. He went to Timah. Timnah was an enemy territory in a Philistine town. He had no business being there. Then on top of that, he wanted the wrong thing there. He told his parents he was hot for a Philistine woman he saw there, and he wanted to marry her. But God had specifically told his people not to intermarry with those who didn't worship him. Again, there's a, excuse me, there's a powerful conflict going on here. God tells us the same thing. Don't be unequally yoked. It's scriptural. Now, I know that in today's standards, we've watered that all out. Oh, well, you know, that was Old Testament, or that was this, or that was that. And we've excused away some of God's intent, much like what Samson had done here. He couldn't see that there was anything wrong in, in, in going after this pretty woman, right? God had specifically told his people not to intermarry. Let's look at Judges chapter 14. We're going to go into verse, uh, this will be verse 5 through 9. I'm going to do this in Amplified. But the Judges 14, 5 through 9 says, Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother to arrange the marriage. So we've already argued this thing out. He's already made all of his excuses. He's already convinced his parents that they're not going to change his mind. Okay, he's already 
one step in the grave right here because he's, he's going against things that he's been taught his whole life are wrong. He's already done some dumb things. And they came as far as the vineyards of Timnah, and suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a couple of different things that's going to happen if a young lion comes roaring at me, like running at me, right? Um, there's that fight or flight that we just recently talked about that in one of our messages, that, you know, that, that inner fight or flight that's put inside of us. <laughs> I'm probably going to flight right there. Um, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. And he tore the lion apart as one tears apart a young goat. Now, I've never tore apart a young goat, but I get the picture. You get the picture? This, this supernatural, God-given power comes upon him, and, and he grabs this lion that's running right at him and tears it apart. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Okay. I mean, listen, if a lion attacks me, and I tore it apart with my bare hands, I'm probably going to let somebody know about that. But he didn't. He didn't tell his parents. So he went down and talked with the woman, and she looked pleasing to Samson. When he returned later to take her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. So a swarm of bees have overtaken this dead lion's carcass, and they've, they've built a hive in there. And now he recognizes these bees have built a, a hive, and it's got honey in it, inside the carcass of a dead lion. Sounds inviting, doesn't it? So he scraped the honey out in his hands, and he went on eating as he went. When he came to his father and mother, he gave them some, and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the body of a lion. Stupid? Absolutely. Just like you and me. How many times have we, in the same sense, stuck our hands in something dead? Just for a little bit of pleasure. Just for something sweet. Just for something that tastes good. How many times have we made the same mistake? When God's given us clear direction with our life, that we've bypassed that direction for a moment. Well, it's only for a moment, right? We excuse it away. It's it's human nature. We you know we we we're allowed. We're you know we're allowed so many stumbles, right? I mean, isn't that how we view things in life today? Look at how it handles him. Think about what this looks like in your life. What causes us to choose our own way over what we say we believe is God's best for us? See, I think most of us, especially those of us who are of a faith nature. I know that not everybody who hears my messages um, are living as a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you are, you pretty much have an understanding of what God has for us, and, and, and he wants the best for us. For those of you that aren't followers of Christ, that's, that's a truth. God wants the best for us. He, he doesn't want us to suffer through this life. He doesn't want us to crawl on our bellies trying to beg our way through life. That's not what Christian life is supposed to be. We're to live a blessed life. We're to live it according to God's word. And when we align with his word, blessings will follow. It's, it's guaranteed. It's in his word. It's in writing. And he will fulfill his promises. Yes, we'll encounter some difficult times. Yes, we'll go through some hardships. We'll have to endure for a while. Remember, the Bible talks about that, that we'll have to endure and overcome. In my experience, 
nine times out of 10, it's because we see something we want. And then right in that moment, that becomes all we can think about. So we get so selfish. We, we, we see something we want. We see something that we desire. So, so now, now we have this sparkle in, in front of us and, oh, we got to have that, you know, right? It's so fluffy. I could die. I've got to have it. And that's all that we think about. It consumes us. Guys, maybe it's a new bass boat. Ladies, maybe it's a new purse. Rhonda's going to love me for that one. Maybe it's a new pair of shoes. Maybe it's a new outfit. You know, maybe it's a new gun, fellas. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Fishing lures. Don't take me to Bass Pro Shops. My goodness. There ain't nothing in there I don't want. There's all kinds of stuff in there I don't need. But that's beside the point. See, that, that's where our problem lies. There's oftentimes we find ourselves desiring things because we want something. It doesn't necessarily mean it's something that will bless us or that we need in our life. God will take care of, of the things that, that he sees fit, his will. But our wants don't match our needs. Okay? That was free. Don't worry about that. It's not in the notes. Lust makes us think I want it. Entitlement is that little voice that takes I want it and then adds I deserve it or you owe it to me. Entitlement is rampant in this nation, in this world. We have left this selfishness even behind for something new called entitlement. This you owe it to me. I didn't earn it. I didn't have anything to do with acquiring it, but you owe it to me. Boy, this is a dangerous, dangerous place. And we can see the effects that it's having on our country even today. I, this is what entitlement says. I have worked hard. I've earned some extra. I've spent a lot of money on this place over the years. I deserve a little payback. I'm not getting my needs met. And some somebody out there has just got to do what a guy's got to do, right? Have you ever said that? Well, you just got to do what you got to do. You got to go with whatever you feels right. You got you got to follow your tune. You got you got to dance to your own band, right? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? All of this becomes entitlement. It's it's this I deserve this. I've worked hard for this. I've given I've given and given and given and and now I want and I want it back. I want it back with 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 bonuses, right? When we start listening to the whisper of entitlement, I deserve this. You owe this to me. I've earned this. I need this. We're simply justifying our lust. Instead of turning our hearts toward what we know God wants, we allow ourselves to be drawn into sin. Entitlement. Entitlement and selfish behavior is sin. Period. You can't describe it any other direction. It might not sound like that to you at the time, but when you realize what it is, it is sin. Because it, it puts us into a place of, of, of desiring things because of who we are, not because of who we are in God and who God is in us. He has a plan for us. He will prosper us. But we have to do it his way. So that all the promises of the Bible, every promise in the Bible is an if you will, I will. God says, if you will do these things, then I will fulfill all my promises to you. If you will, I will. It's a difficult place. Last page of notes. We're going to go to James chapter 4. This is verse 1 through 12. And I, <clears throat> excuse me. I love how James 
expresses this. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 12, and applied it said, What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members, fighting for control over you? Is, is that not what creates all the quarrels and the struggles around this world? It, it, it comes from the, these desires, these passions that we have inside of us and that wage war in our body, fighting for control over us? You are jealous and covet what others have, and your lust goes unfulfilled. So you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy. So you fight and you battle. You do not have because you do not ask it of God. But then you ask God for something and do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your own hedonistic desires, your pleasures. You adulteresses, disloyal sinners, flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Listen, when you came to know the Lord, followers of Christ, when you surrendered your life to Christ, you made a vow to God. Married couples, when you stood before that man of God, you put a vow. It wasn't just between you and your bride or husband and that pastor and that audience. It was before God. When we come to the Lord, when we ask for forgiveness from our sin, we're making a vow. We're committing to him. Just like in a marriage, we're making a commitment. How easily we've made that to throw that away today, to just toss that aside because it holds no value anymore. That's that's part of our problem today. We've lost our moral values. Our moral compass is is gone astray. It's not right anymore. Do you know that being the world's friend, that is loving the things of the world, is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God? Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lusts with envy? But he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. God gives us the Holy Spirit that can enable us, empower us, lead us, guide us, help us the way it's intended so that we would make the right decisions instead of selfishness. Therefore, I love that, because of this, it says, God is opposed to the proud and the haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness, from selfishness, from entitlement. God gives grace to those who turn away from those things. I love this part. So submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. <clears throat> I love this because all my life I've heard, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I've heard it preached. I've heard it from the pulpit. I've heard it from multiple leaders and teachers. Well, just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, the problem is, is we're leaving something out that is very, very important. We can resist all day. To no avail if we've not done the first part of the scripture first. It says, so submit 
to the authority of God. We are to submit our life to God. Then we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. If we don't have the submission to God, we can resist all we want and it's not going to happen. We have no power. When we submit ourselves to the Lord, then we work in the power of God. God's power works through us. God's power works for us. But we must be submitted to him first. Go through the purification process. Submit yourself to God and let him pour over you what you need. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up, and he will give you purpose. Believers, do not speak against or slander one another. Boy, there's a good one. Christians, quit talking bad about each other. It says it right there. Believers, that's us. Followers of Christ, that's us. Don't speak against or slander one another. He who speaks self-righteously against a brother or judges his brother hypocritically speaks against the law and judges of the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, the the one God who has the absolute power of life and death. But who are you? to hypocritically or self-righteously pass judgment on your neighbor. Quit talking bad about folks. This critical spirit that we've developed, that, that we've come to love, I think, we've got to stop that. We've got to get in line with God's power. We've got to stop breaking the rules because it's not right to do so. And there will be consequences when we come against the rules of the Lord. When we surrender our life to Christ, we submit to him. We commit to him. We make a vow to him. We don't want to break that. We want to honor it. Live your life according to the word of God, to the best of your ability. Does it mean we're perfect? Absolutely not. Does it mean we won't make mistakes? Absolutely not. But there's grace when we live in a repentant heart. When when, when we come to an understanding that, that when we fall, We're to get up, dust ourselves off. In other words, we're to get up and ask forgiveness, wash ourselves again, and then continue the journey that God has given us. It's not that complicated. It's something that we must come to terms with in our life. Our faith as a whole is a disaster right now. Our world is overtaking We've got to make a stand. You know, the Bible talks about there's only going to be a remnant that rises up. Are you going to be a part of that remnant? Are you going to be swept away in the flood with those who oppose Noah? That's what it says in Matthew chapter 24. So as it was in the days of Noah, it shall be in the coming days of the Son of Man. Are we not somewhere near as bad as it was in the days of Noah? It's coming. And we're either going to be on that boat safe in the arms of the Lord or we're going to be swept away in the flood of destruction. I've made a choice. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord to the best of our ability. And when we make mistakes, we'll repent. That's, that's, all, that's all we can do. And it's all I'm asking of you today. Check your life. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. 
Then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. Repent of those things in your life that you know are not of God. And watch his blessing begin to work for you. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. I know this one got a little heavy and I could probably keep going for a while, but I'm going to quit. You know the word. Everything I've shared with you is truth. I abide in it. <laughs> if you if you need help, if you have questions, uh, if you've got concerns, contact us. Send us a message. Man, I would love to talk to you. Know this. God loves you with everything he has in you. His desire is to be in a relationship with you on a personal level. That is his whole plan from the very beginning. He loves you just like you are. But you've got to come to him. You've got to let him embrace you. You've got to surrender your life to him. Let him wash you up, clean you up, and put you on the path of righteousness. That's his desire. Ron and I love you. We're praying for you. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to financially support us, you can. All of our giving links are on our webpage, www.livingloudoutdoors.com, pinned right to the top of our Facebook page. Support us if you can. Pray for us, please. Walk with us. Pray with us that everything that we do is what God is calling us to do, to seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. Amen. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.